All right, welcome to the latest edition of Sports Take. I am Jonathan, and there's a lot to talk about going on out there, basketball, football, what have you. But we're midway through, a little over midway through the NBA season, and it's time for that State of the Spurs union, if you will. You know, like I said, we're, well, we're about six games past the halfway point. Time to assess what we've seen thus far. I think the best way to start is let's go back and think about the questions we had coming in. Um, first question coming in was who's going to be the go-to guy? Who's going to be the closer? Well, DeJounte took him a couple weeks, but he figured it out. He's become the man. Uh, averaging 19, what is it, 19, 9, and 8, 8.5 and, and 2 steals. Um, a ridiculous season for anybody, not just a spur. Um, fringe all-star, maybe he gets selected to reserves. A lot of people are really passionate about this. You, you're you really giving the all-star selection, all-star game, way too much credit. Um, when you consider that right now the fourth highest voted guard is Clay Thompson, and he's played for like two weeks. You know, he doesn't deserve to go to the all-star game at all. Um, I remember a few years back, Yao Ming got like a billion votes. Didn't deserve to go. Um, so you're putting too much stock in it. Yeah, it's a nice acknowledgement of what they're doing. It's it's a little, it feels like a good validation for their season. But at the end of the day, we know what we're seeing. We know how good he is. He knows how good he is. Um, like I said, 19 points a game. 44% from the field, 32% from three, which can be better. 73% from the free throw line, eight and a half boards, nine assists, two steals, which is league leading, by the way. So he's answered the question of who's our go-to guy, basically who the best player on the team is. Uh, we had a good feeling it was him, but he's really found the consistency that we were looking for. Um... I think as the season progresses, I think the points total might come up a little bit more. He's had the run of good games, 22, 24, 25. You know, he'll probably never be that 30, 28, 30 point per game guy. That's for, he'd have to get that three point percentage up to 40% for that to be able to happen. But I think realistically, 22 to 24, um, because the numbers aren't going to get too much better than what they are because at that point he's going to become a Russell Westbrook and it's going to be all numbers, no wins. And even he'll tell you he'd rather not have the triple doubles and he wants victories. And that's the right mentality. So right now, I mean, I would take 28 and nine and two would be a beautiful stat line. I would just like to see that three-point percentage and free-throw percentage come up a little bit. Nothing crazy, you know, maybe 34 35%, 75% from the free-throw line. I don't think he's asking too much. But he has definitely answered the question. Um, early on the season, we, you know, Keldon was struggling, Derek was struggling. We didn't know if they, how long it would take them to figure it out and if they would. And they really have. Um, Keldon... Shooting 44% from three-point land. I can tell you right now, after the last couple of years, I would not have bet money on that. I wouldn't have put money on 40%. Um, 
it looks like there is a slight mechanical change. I don't. He's not looking for as much arc, and his release is a little quicker. Still a pretty set shot. He's not really a off the dribble guy or anything like that. But he's figured it out. Forty four percent is ridiculous. I mean, not even Doug McDermott, who's a lifetime three point shooter is is hitting that high so uh props to Keldon for getting that so i mean 15 um, pretty much 15 points a game six boards at 44 percent from three i'll take that all day long you can tell though he he does still have some struggles with finding the rest of his offense his driving to the basket has really declined over the season early on he had that mid-range game going, showing great touch, doing it a lot. He really limited the mistakes of driving in and charging, and he's really cleaned that up. But then, but he was also doing that because he wasn't hitting at this three-point clip early on. It took him a while. So once the three-point clip went up, the interior game went away. And you can tell it's gone away some because they're not even looking to take advantage of mismatches. I I think even Sean Elliott went off the other night against Brooklyn when there was a time or two where Patty Mills was switched on him. You have to take advantage of that. You have to. You're either going to get double teamed, you're going to score an easy bucket, or Patty's going to at least foul you. So there's a lot of benefits to doing that. And they just don't do it, and he's not demanding it um still a young player so he's probably not in the demand part of his career but overall good season so far for Keldon. i would just like to see the aggression come back in the post he has advantages but overall uh, solid Derek white figured it out still shooting under 30 percent from three um, but he takes a lot of threes. Uh, not all of them good looks. Uh, forces some up a little bit. It seems like he shoots them just to get to find his rhythm. Uh, but 14, 5. And what was it? Oh, no. 14, 3, and 5. Three boards, five assists. That's all right. Um, not looking for big numbers over there. Because DJ's running the show. What we're liking from Derek is those timely charges, those timely blocks. He's making really, really nice defensive plays. And some of them pretty timely. But, yeah, he he needs to get that three-point shot. He needs to get locked down. I'd like to see him work the mid-range a little bit more. Um, he has some off nights where that little runner in the paint isn't quite falling. Or he's driving in and picks up his dribble looking to be more of a playmaker. I I just wouldn't... I would tell him not to worry so much about setting up your teammates and look to score. You know, that's something he's very good at. He's strong. He's stronger than really, I think, a lot of opponents expect. Then you got... Devin Vassell, who started the season pretty lights out, cooled off a little bit, 
has some struggles. 35% from three is pretty solid. <clears throat> Again, with that mechanics change, his release is quicker. It's very, it's very consistent. You can tell there's nights where he's very comfortable getting that swing pass, driving, cutting, stop, pop for mid-range, or take it all the way basket. He's getting very comfortable on offense, getting aggressive. Uh, the kind of aggression that I wish, that I want to say wish, but you know, Lonnie has shown it. He had a nice stretch, uh, especially in the New York games. I mean, against Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, he scored the first 12 points of the game. But his uh, shooting percentages aren't great, under 40% from the field. Same percentage as Derek from three. You know, 11 points per game. I, I mean, I, I, I expected that to be a little bit better this year without having those veterans to defer to. And he needs to be aggressive lately last few games he's been struggling he's not been aggressive i don't know if it's really telling that he's been in the garbage minutes at the end of games i don't i really wouldn't know i wouldn't read too much into anything but he's played in almost every game this year and he's had some nice outings but even that brooklyn game he just, he did kind of disappear for a little bit. You know, he's there and then he's not. So, then it's a big year because they got to decide on his extension. So, it hopefully finishes this first half of the season off strong. Go in the all-star break, reset, come out strong the second half. And really solidify his spot on this roster going forward because he's one of my favorite players i'd hate to see him get traded or just not come back um but i think the really great story for the spurs is kate bates diop don't even look at the numbers you have to watch like yeah the lakers game was amazing it was that was a fun game to watch he wasn't he didn't miss and I know he can ball a little bit. I mean, he was a pretty high recruit in college. I mean, to be a top player at a top school like Ohio State, you got to be pretty good. I don't love his shooting mechanics, but if he's got time to look at it and he's confident, it goes in. But it's all the intangibles and the little stuff. You know, he's able to guard the bigger forwards. Um, plays disciplined defense for the most part on offense he's cutting he's finishing at the rim which is nice i mean just a hell of a fine i'm mean, talk about staying the course with you know you're you don't get drafted as high as you thought you might because i remember in the mock drafts he was a little higher than i think he went you don't let you don't stick with the original team you bounce around, come to the Spurs on a two-way. You turn that two-way into a legit contract, and now he's a legit role player. Granted, it's not you know the championship Spurs of old, but still pretty impressive. And he's an impressive person. So I think that was 
that you have to chalk up to the scouts or assistant coaches, whoever told them, hey, let's bring this guy in. Kudos to you. I don't think I would have. I don't think he would have been on my radar. Let's put it like that. Um, also got to talk about Jock Landale. You know, you we we signed him in the summer. Immediately we go to film and the Olympics. And we're like, okay, this guy's got some size. He can stretch it out. He can shoot. Cool. Will that translate to the NBA? Will he be able to do it in the NBA level? And then, you know, he, he didn't play much. We figured that, you know, Jakob's the starter. Drew solidified himself as the backup last year. But we get to that Clippers game, and Jacques comes out, and he's just knocking down everything. A really, really strong performance. And I said it before, the Spurs understand that they need to adjust their big rotation. We do not have bigs that quite fit our roster composition and what we like to do. So they went out and signed Jock and Zach because they have more versatile skill sets. Drew and and Jakob are just straight traditional bigs. Nothing wrong with that. But today's NBA and this and our roster doesn't quite support that style. Um, other teams like the Laker, like if you have a superstar on your roster or two, you can have almost anybody else with you. You, they mask deficiencies. But we'll get into that more later. Uh, another surprise thing, thing that happened, Trey Jones did not go back to Austin. Before the season started, I thought, one more year with Austin, let him go down, run the show, tell him to put up a lot of threes, work on his three-point shot, get that to be reliable, and then he'll be ready for the backup point guard role. I also thought that because of the signing of Bryn Forbes, which we're going to do in a little bit, that, okay, they're bringing in Bryn to be basically the backup point for in some kind of capacity. Trey's not going to get a lot of minutes, but Trey got minutes. Um, he has so much speed. He's able to get to the basket and beat the opposing bigs. Nice floater game. I think he's even knocked down a couple of threes, but... Uh, I mean, shooting 14% from three, so that's not great at all. But 95% from free throw, that's pretty good. I mean, he's not really getting to show what we saw last year in Austin, right? He doesn't get that kind of bulk of minutes, and then paint on the crew he's out there with, he may not exactly be running the show. Uh, Pop's been staggering the lineup with DeJounte and Derek, so that way he kind of has one of them out there at all times. Very rarely do you get the whole bench in, but sometimes you do. Uh, Primo. Better than I thought. Better than I thought. Uh, I think his crowning game was Brooklyn. Again, I mean, that was just a great game for a lot of guys. 
the moxie, the fearlessness to hit the big shots. Well, to take the big shots and then he hits them. Um, T has so much all-around potential, not just on offense, but as a defender too. And But I've been watching, I watch every Austin Spurs game. And there's a lot of fans out there, you're crying for him to play. Um, I mean, there's some logic to, you know, there's no better experience than playing in the NBA, playing in NBA games against those guys. But I don't know if it can hurt some, I don't think it would hurt development, but, you know, you play in a bunch of NBA games early on and you struggle is he strong enough mentally wise to not let shake his confidence? Yes, it'd be great learning, but you can't tell me he's not learning in Julie either. And watching some of those games, here, here's the other thing. Our team isn't in the full-on rebuild. We're not there. Philadelphia a few years ago was in full-on. You know, So much so that they couldn't even use all of their salary cap. That's how much they were tanking. We're not there. So if you had Josh up here making the mistakes he's making in Austin, he's not going to play. Pop won't play you like that. In Austin, you can make all the mistakes you want and learn and play through it. Um, the last few games... He's had some decent outings, shot the ball okay, but his ball handling has been suspect. His passing's been a little suspect. A lot of turnovers, especially early games. Um, The two games against Rio Grande Valley, Deshaun Nix was just all over him. I mean, Nix, he's like a little Kyle Lowry, just a big, strong body. You know, Josh is a 19-year-old kid. So he's... He bullied him up a little bit, forced a lot of mistakes. To Josh's credit, he still came back, fought back. I think they won one of the games. They won the first game. But it's just a lot of mistakes that he needs to make down there to learn from. So that way when he comes up here and gets those legit rotation minutes, he knows what not to do. You know, Vassell was just last year getting in the rotation was just kind of by circumstance he fit a positional need we had injuries so okay you're gonna play and then he showed out a little bit wasn't anything amazing but he definitely showed the potential joss has shown the potential but he's so young he we just don't need him right now not for what we're trying to do and that's get lonnie and devin and Derek and dj Keldon, all the foundational pieces to grow and to take their next steps. So, the right move is Josh in Austin. It just is. Now, what I will say is Devontae Kaycock probably doesn't need to be in Austin. This guy's a double-double machine. Again, he showed out in Brooklyn. It's not just his rebounding, but he plays, he's so versatile. He was able to D up on Kevin Durant. I mean, didn't shut him down because nobody does. But, I mean, still, he's a big body that's versatile. 
but he also makes a lot of effort plays. He gets back on defense, pokes balls loose, creates turnovers, has great touch around the rim. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Dewan Blair. Reminds me a lot of Dewan Blair. Uh, Devontae has a little more offensive skill set. And Dewan might have been a, not a smidge more athletic, but Devontae is just a great rebounder. I think he's someone that we could really use up here. And I might have an idea on how to get him up here, but we'll get into that later. So, so far... We're 13th in the West, 17 and 30. Record-wise, is this where we expected them to be? Depends on what your expectations were. <laughs> um, I think we're right about where we're supposed to be. Um, going into the season, did we think the Rockets or Thunder would be better than the Spurs? No. No way. Um, and... Obviously, Pistons and Magic have a worse record as well. Um, but right there battling the Kings, I didn't think the Pelicans would be... I, I didn't think the Pelicans would be... I don't want to say that good, but because they're not that good. But I thought we'd be ahead of them. Still have a chance. And then Portland's probably going to regress a little bit with Damian Lillard out for the season. We'll see if the Clippers regress any, but looks like they might get Paul George back and Kawhi at some point, so we'll see what happens with them. But 10 to 13, yeah, that's about the range. And it's just going to vary on, you know, beating the teams you're supposed to beat. We didn't beat the Rockets last time they were here because they're a matchup nightmare for us. We cannot answer Christian Wood or Eric Gordon. Nobody else on that team hurts us. Not Kevin Porter Jr., not Jalen Green. No one else on that team hurts us but Christian Wood and Eric Gordon. For whatever reason. So. I would look for. Better effort against the Houston Rockets going forward. We handled the Thunder. Last time out. Which was great. We haven't. Uh, we played the Pel I think we played the Pelicans once. I think we beat the Pelicans already. No Zion Williams yet. But as far as record wise. I, I said it before the season started. This isn't a season about wins and losses. This was about growth and opportunity. And are we seeing that? I'll be honest. We haven't seen enough of it. DJ has done what he was supposed to do. as what we've expected. And again, I still think his point total is going to end up higher at the end of the season than what it is right now. 19. Um, Keldon is a pretty much where... I mean, statistically wise, where you'd expect um, his rebound numbers are going to be lower just because you got DeJounte and, and Jakob taking almost 20 rebounds a game. There's just not a lot left. But uh, there's still room for improvement from Keldon. Um, Derek's shooting just needs to improve, but he I thought he would be closer to 18 a game. His defense is there. That's never been in question. But I don't think he has taken that next step yet. Um, but he still has half a season to go, so let's see. Um, I would say 
Lonnie hasn't shown what I was hoping he would show. Devin's been better than I was expecting. Jacques was better than I was expecting. Kate has been better. Trey has been a lot better. So, what would I grade our first half? Definitely not an A. I would say a solid B. Maybe on the border of B+, just because of what my expectations were, was to see the young guys get the opportunities they weren't getting the last two years and see what they can do with it. And they've done a very good job. They've been competitive in almost every game. I mean, you can pretty much name the games that they weren't competitive. Charlotte, Indiana, uh, Philly in Philly wasn't great. But there might have probably a couple more but I mean you've almost beaten Phoenix you've beaten Utah you've beaten Golden State you've beaten the Lakers like you've beaten good teams Milwaukee Boston twice you've beaten good teams and you're competitive against most of them the Knicks wasn't a good outing either so because that's the real test for me as a fan um, I will sit there and I will watch a game all the way through as long as they're competitive and playing good basketball. When they're not competitive, when I can tell that they're just not there, it's just not even worth it. It's not even worth analyzing. That Indiana game was just ridiculous, right? Indiana hit every damn three they looked at, but Indiana's a solid squad. They've got issues, which we'll talk about on another episode, but, you know, they just went off. Sometimes it happens. Charlotte, Gordon Hayward just went bananas. I mean, it happens. But for the most part, they're always competitive, so it's a solid B for me. Now, let's get into some of the other stories around the team, because we are heading towards trade deadline February. Excuse me while I sip my water. And already the Spurs have done something they don't do. Mid-season trade. How about that? And it wasn't even the trade we were expecting. You know, there were the rumors that, you know, there was trade interest for Bryn because, you know, he's one of the top three-point shooters. So what's most valued out there for contenders is three-point shooting. Denver came calling. And the fact that we got a player and a pick, granted it's like a second rounder in like 2028, but still, it's a player and a pick for Bryn Forbes. I mean, that's I think that's pretty good. That is pretty good. So good luck to Bryn. I hope they get Jamal Murray back up there, and I hope they make a run. It's going to be tough. Now, the Thaddeus Young situation, um, people probably aren't going to like to hear this, but it's it's. It's going towards a, a buyout. Um, people think, oh, well, he doesn't want to be here. We're going to trade him. There's offers, probably teams that want to make the trade. It's not that simple. Thaddeus Young is making over $14 million. That's not the easiest number to trade. Bryn was very easy to trade because he was only making a little over four. Very easy to move. 
Thaddeus Young, not so much. Because most teams don't have a number to match that in a single player that we would even want back. And obviously they it's contenders, so there's only a handful of teams that are really even looking to add him or would like to add him. Who are you going to take back? Then, I mean, I've done a deep dive on this. I've gone through the top seven, nine teams in the West, you know, ten teams in the East, and for most of those teams, it doesn't even make sense to bring them in. Um, and for the rest that could have interest, how are you going to get them there? The, the one that's been out there since really before the season started was Phoenix. Now, I would love for the Spurs to get their hands on Jalen Smith. We've seen him play a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks ago, but like a week and a half ago, he got a couple of starts, put up some good numbers. You saw the potential. Love for Pop to get his hands on him, let Tim Duncan come in and work with him. Who knows? Problem. He's making $4 million. Rookie contract. So now you got to bring in another deal. We've all looked at I know we've all looked at it. It'd have to be Dario Sarch. Who's on a two-year deal? He got another year left on his deal, at around eight or nine million, and he's out right now with a torn knee, torn ACL. So, what's the answer there? Oh well, can we find a third team to take his contract? Why would they do that? And there's only one team out there with cap space, and that's OKC. Why would OKC waste a roster spot? I don't know how the disabled player's exemption works exactly. So I don't know if OKC would even want to try that. Um, and then what? Do you trade for him and now it's another buyout you have to do? You've already bought out Aminu earlier this year. You're going to probably buy out Thaddeus Young. Like That's a lot of money to just be throwing away. This is a business. So I think if that Phoenix deal was there, it probably would have already been done. Um, Boston sitting on a big trade exemption, but I don't think they're going to try to use that on Thaddeus Young. I doubt it. You know, that's a $17 million exemption. You can go get almost anybody. And those are really the only two teams that could really facilitate the move. Now... In the deep dive, played around with the trade machine, of course, like most fans, got a really nice one. Now, there's potentials out there if we wanted to get ourselves into a three or four team deals out there with some of these other big names that are available and some trades that could go down. But who knows? Um, the one good thing about that is that his... It's a one-year deal, so that's 14 coming off your books next year for whoever were to trade for him. But at this point, why make the trade, wait for buyout, get him on a vet men, and there you go. So it it's unfortunate, and I know fans don't want to hear that because, oh, well then, ah, you know, the Dwarmer Rosen trade, you're getting nothing. Well, don't forget, he was like a couple hours away from signing with the Lakers. He was going to take like vet minimum to be on the Lakers. 
we would have gotten nothing for him anyway. The fact that we got anything for DeMar this summer is incredible. And man, we got a first-round pick. If that's all we end up with, that's okay. Because we should have gotten nothing. But it worked out for us to get at least something. Why Chicago couldn't play ball and get us marketing, I don't know, but whatever. So I think that's where the Thad Young situation is going. What else we could do? Uh, there's the rumors that Toronto wants to bring Jakob back. You know, they're in the thick of it in the in the play-in race in the East. They're currently sitting ninth. They could sneak up to eighth. And uh, this is this. I think a lot of fans are split. I think it's a 50-50 split on Jakob out there because there's those that they see the blocks, they see the rebounds, he's scoring better, and they know he's he's a good player. He's a good center. He's a traditional big. The problem is, is his lack of versatility is really hurting us at times. His pick-and-roll defense is non-existent. Um, not enough lateral quickness to at least challenge opposing players when he when he switched on to them. Once in a while, he'll move his feet pretty well and force make them force a bad shot, but it's not often enough. <laughs> but I think what could save Jakob here is if we could get a nice, versatile stretch four, a legit stretch four. I'm not saying there's a rumor of it, but like a Jeremy Grant type would go perfect next to Yaka. Someone that could have his back at the rim. That's what he needs. Like I was saying earlier, we just don't have the talent to mask deficiencies. If you're not good at something on this team, you're going to see it. And that's not a great thing. Um, and Drew Eubanks, again, is an attritional big. I I love his energy and his toughness. And he has one earlier this season, his block against Tim Hardaway Jr., one of the best blocks in Spurs history. But he makes a lot of mistakes. That block came after a really dumb mistake. Makes a lot of mistakes. He's limited offensively. He has hit a three. He's 100% on the year, so I'll give him that. But at this point, you can almost the writing's almost on the wall. If like if Jock isn't going any, if if uh, Jakob's not going anywhere, Zach is starting to play and he's about to get rotational minutes. Drew's out the door. He's on a very small deal. It's an easy wave, or he could be included in a trade. Whatever. But the writing's on the wall. You're not going to carry four bigs. Especially when you got a guy like Devontae Kaycock on a two-way. Two like, if you need an emergency big, you have him. Um, love Drew. Love what he brought. Love what he gave us. I don't think his career's over, but... Like I said, we just can't mask the deficiencies here. What I would... Now, and as far as a potential deal with Toronto... Only problem I see with that is that there is nobody on that roster that makes sense for us. 
a potential deal would probably include uh, Chris Boucher. Stretch four, but not really the kind of stretch four I think we would want. Um, I think if any deal were to be made for Jakob, they would have to give us a first round pick. He's, I think he's legit worth a first round pick with the number, with this, with the solid play he has at 12 and nine, getting a string of double doubles, blocks shots. Not next year's first round pick because Toronto's probably going to get borderline lottery pick. They're not giving give up that pick. But, you know, a year or two down the line, if they got one to give, that and Boucher, I mean, it's worth considering. Uh, I've seen other potential deals that are a little crazier involving Derek and then bringing back Drogic and then maybe we flip Drogic in another deal. But I think that's a little bit too much to put our team through and our roster through. Well, you never know. I mean, the thing is, we say and think all we want. We have no idea what they're thinking over there, what they're talking about, what they're willing to do. So the assumption right now would be no deals get made and Thaddeus Young gets bought out. But you never know. There's so much potential movement out there that you just don't know. Yeah, look at the deal that we hopped into in the summer. Uh... We got a pick and a player from Washington, and that I think it was a five-team deal. And there's the Russell Westbrook trade, so you never know how many teams are going to be needed to facilitate some of these big moves that are potentially out there. You know, Sabonis, Miles Turner. Um, I know there's some other names. I'm probably forgetting Jeremy Grant, Ben Simmons. So there's there's all sorts of possibilities. We don't know what they're looking at but a change in the big man rotation is probably needed more than anything else just because we need more versatility there or if you can at least go and find a stretch four that can have Jakob's back have Zach Collins' back have Jock's back whatever what have you Other rumors out there that Brian Windhorst saying DeJounte may not be made available this season, but he might be made available this summer. That's not happening, and I'll tell you why. With Pop here, even without Pop here, trading DeJounte sends you into a full-fledged rebuild where you're not going to win many games at all. And I'm not even going to even bother looking at what we could get for him. Because I don't think anything would be worth it. No one's going to come in and do what he does. Uh, Arguments can be made that, oh, well, by the time we finish our small rebuild, you know, he's going to be past his prime or whatever. But if he's the guy we're building around, it makes sense to hang on to him, pay him, and then 
see what we can create. Um, so really, now the questions really need to start being, what does DeJounte need around him? Well, obviously he needs shooters because he doesn't shoot at a high enough clip. He needs a versatile big man because he runs. A, he's a pick-and-roll maestro. He can get the ball to the big in the pick-and-roll. The problem with Jakob is that he's only got really two legit ways of scoring. That's either a sneaky layup or it's that push shot. And that push shot can work and that push shot cannot. But if he had a big to give it to that had a little bit more of a little jumper, almost like a LaMarcus style, but you know, just a little more fluid. You know, I think he doesn't need a superstar all-star big. He just needs someone solid around the rim with a versatile offensive game. I think of a type of uh, Rashawn Holmes type, you know, just a guy that's got a decent little pop jumper touch around the rim that can finish in the pin roll, strong hands. Um, Jakob doesn't have the strongest hands in the world. Decent, but not real strong. Loses the ball a lot. That's not totally his fault. He does get a lot of low passes or a lot of high heat ones. But, you know, he does enough for now. But, I mean, just think about DeJounte's assist total if a few more of those shots go in. You know, two, three more of those shots come in, he's averaging 10, 11 assists a game. He's a league leader. So, I would love for them to do something like that, but if not, I mean, it is what it is. It's not like there's a lot available. So that's why you probably don't see the moves being made that you would like to see because there really isn't a lot available in in reality. So I think so far I've enjoyed what I've seen. There are some disappointments out there. For the moment, I mean, the, the biggest one for me is Lonnie just because I want to see consistent aggression. You know, he's an 80% free throw shooter. He should be attacking more, and he does attack. Doesn't get a lot of calls, but he does attack. But he's doing more. Settles for a lot of threes. And then when he is having a good game, just don't disappear, man. Just demand that ball. But, uh, yeah, so I don't think a whole lot of roster changes are coming. Two-way guys and Josh are probably going to see Austin for the rest of the G League season. Thaddeus Young, more than likely, will be bought out. And we'll just see who can continue progressing and take that next step. DeJounte has done it, found consistency. Now maybe needs to be a little more assertive on offense. Take a little bit more on his shoulders. And see who kind of who else will step up their game in the second half. But I think that'll wrap the State of the Spurs Union episode. I'm sure to tell your friends about the podcast, especially if they're Spurs fans. And if they're basketball fans, because coming up we're going to discuss... Western Conference and the Eastern Conference and then other just NBA news and get into the NFL playoffs. And, uh, yeah, we should be
we have a lot to talk about coming up in the next few weeks. And that's how we do that. <laughs>